All right, welcome back to another episode of the Ed Trex Podcast. I'm Quinn Henderson. And I'm Matt Winters. It's great to be here, Matt. Yeah, It is so great to be here. We've had so much go on in the last month. We've had a lot going on. We've had a lot of guests on uh, previous episodes of the podcast. That's kept us busy. Which will be weirdly future episodes. Yeah, yeah, they'll be coming up in the future, so we're trying to plan those out strategically to give... We're in that weird place and early in a podcast where it's like, uh, we'll record a bunch of stuff and we'll put it out later... We'll work it through. The schedule. You know, it's yeah. timing. Timing's yeah. an important thing. We want to make sure we get the messages to people when they matter. Exactly. Right? And give them enough variety that it's going to keep them excited. But we thought we'd take a pause and do an episode where it's just you and me. Right. Talking about all the cool stuff we've done. So I want to start with, you went to a conference in Toronto. It was the, the Niagara Falls. Ni- oh, sorry. Niagara Falls. Yeah. And you went up to Toronto. I went up to Toronto there for a day, yes. I, I got Toronto in my brain for some reason. That's okay. I, I learned that when we went to Canada, my wife came with me, that we didn't know as much about Canada as we thought. So we'll give you the pass on that. <laughs> nice. Um, so what was this conference you went to? Tell us a little bit about it. This was it. the Connect Ed Conference um, in Niagara Falls. And, and really, it's a lot of educators from that area um, that, that come to this conference. And it's focused on education technology. And the reason that I went is I, I started to look for conferences anywhere, really, that I thought, you know, I want to share some of my ideas. And I feel like when I go and present, that's a great opportunity to test ideas and get some feedback on those ideas and whether or not there's, there's something there and something to explore. And so I, I took a presentation that I did. I started doing um, last summer at the Innovative Teaching and uh, Strategies uh, Conference that was held in Las Vegas. And when I did it there, I got a lot of really good feedback. And so it was just, it was a great conference. There's probably, I think, 1,800 people that's a pretty so. big conference. Yeah, I, I might have that number wrong, but it was a good, it was a sizable conference. Um, and the presentation that I did is really what I call the magic of innovation. It's about creating cultures of innovation um, within your within your schools, within your districts, um, leveraging some principles that are there, getting students to lean in um, to learning as well as teachers to lean into teaching. And what the the presentation is really built on is I I grew up doing magic and magic tricks. And then I got into education and technology, and you start to talk about innovation. And, and my design thinking journey over the last year especially, I started to realize that, boy, since I was a kid, that magic, I was really kind of doing a lot of the principles of innovation already without knowing about it. And so now I can kind of take my experience doing magic and translate that and kind of create a story on, on how that can create a culture of innovation and how that ties into innovation in an interesting way. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I set out to do when I got there. That's awesome. That sounds like a great presentation. I mean, the idea of a culture of educa- or of uh, innovation, applying that to schools, getting it, uh, students to, like you said, lean into education and their own learning and being almost responsible for their own learning. Well, yeah, that would be that would be great. In a way, I think once you create a culture of innovation that that everybody is empowered to to be responsible for learning in general, and that's a student taking control of their learning as well as a teacher just con- taking control of what their role has evolved into as a teacher. So, and a presentation with magic tricks is usually good anyway, right? Yeah, right. So you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of fun mixed in with the education, right? Right, exactly. Well, that's one thing that I think is missing sometimes is that, you know, teachers lose their passion or it kind of fizzles out a little bit and people sense that. And so my, my, one of my passions is magic. And so I bring that into my class um, with my students and I bring it into my presentations as well. And, and more than anything, it's something that I connect with that I'm passionate about that I know when people see me do it, they can kind of sense that there's, that's something I'm passionate about and it gets them to lean in a little bit more. Yeah. Which is really cool. That's great. So what were some of the 
pr uh, presentations you saw that were really invigorating, oh, interesting boy. to you? Well, one of the things that I like to do with my, my business degrees and my business background, I like to go to, to those, those startups or student launch type um, sessions at a, a conference, any chance that I get. And so I did go to do that on the first day, and there were a, a couple of, of startup education technology ideas and companies that were there, anywhere from robotics um, to augmented reality, um, some stuff that we've kind of seen already, but people doing it a little bit differently, um, creating basically digital biodomes in a science application, which I thought was very interesting. And I thought, boy, that's great. My my daughter would really love something. Digital like biodomes? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I they, with the app, and I'm hopefully I get it right, and I, don't, I can't remember the name of it, but essentially. You, Within the app, you're creating kind of this ecosystem, and you have to kind of nurture this ecosystem within the app. So you have to have a good understanding of all of the biology and all of the things that are living in that environment and taking care of them. Um, so really, it's 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 a game that's teaching you really the biology and the connection of everything. So it's mixing digital content with um, gamification with biology. Right, exactly. It's great. And, and it's on a device, right? And technology yeah. is really the language of the students that we're working with anyway. So if you kind of put a device out there, and give it an education focus, I think you're really kind of making a connection um, in that case. So I thought that that was um, really interesting. I did kind of take a, a one day off from the conference to head to Toronto. Um, so I did miss a few sessions there. But Just I, playing hooky, I see how it is. Playing hooky. No, there was purpose to that. I'll, <laughs> share, I'll share that with you here in a minute. Um, but, but the other things that I went to, I actually found myself in a lot of the, the featured presenter sessions that were there in the larger auditorium. And the thing that I really kind of took away from that, and they had some some great speakers, and I I, I wish I'd have wrote down names and was more prepared and and took some notes um, to bring with me, but I didn't. But I, I pulled out a couple of things from there. Um, it was it was a, their superintendent or their their board director of the schools up there, and when he spoke, just kind of about what they're doing in the schools, I I felt like, boy, we should be doing more, kind of in our schools and some of the ones that I've worked with is he really understood the process and really what the next step was from for his schools, for his teachers, for his administrators, and for the students. It, it, it just displayed a really great perspective, and I felt like, well, I think, think that might be a gap that, that we see in some situations. Mm -hmm. So he was really connected. So was, was, really it, was it more or was it different? Yes. Or both? Yes. I, I would say more than anything that that was, that was different, right? And I, I think it was different because he was more engaged with the whole process. And I think there was a connection that he had. I don't know his previous experience, but maybe maybe Dunlop, Richard Dunlop, I believe was his name. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. I'd have to look up his uh, Twitter handle. I'll, I'll include it in the comments and the notes of this. Yeah. Um, but really, I just felt like he was connected. He knew the skills of and really the problem-solving skills that students needed to be successful once they leave the education system there. And so I felt like there was a good sense of them preparing their students for the next stage of life. Um, so I, I really got that out of, of what he did, and he felt very connected. And so and I, I don't know. I mean, I just listened to the presentation, but to, to know if that's what's going on in their schools or not, I'd probably have to spend some time in there. But it was a really good vibe. The other thing that uh, I mentioned on a previous podcast as well that stood out from that conference was on several occasions, I heard teachers, whether it was in their presentation or outside of the presentation, basically say, you know, we get pay, pay, paid pretty well um, to do what we do. Yeah. And so, which is a totally different 
different way. I mean, I don't hear that here. Yeah. You know, it's basically we don't get paid enough a lot of the times what you hear um, in this neck of the woods to do what we do. And so I started to think, is that is that is that really a, is it a mindset thing? Or is it the actual numbers that make the difference? And I, this is last week. I did some comparison, and not to get into the, the numbers, yes, they do get paid more. And really, even if you factor in a lower cost of living in, in most places um, in Canada, yeah, they are making more money. And so legitimately, they can say that. But you have to think about the other side of that as well, because sometimes you, you go say, I make this much money, but I have to do this much, so it's not worth it, even if it's a lot of money, right? So you got to think about how teachers interpret their workload compared to their salary and still be able to see if that balances it out. I mean, do our teachers, would they feel like they made more made good money if, if they didn't feel like they were dumped on in a way? Yeah. Well, I'm, so, I mean, it's really just a, it was a fascinating thing to hear that type and that perspective. So, Well, I think one of the big questions with that is, is as well is what is considered essential work for a teacher versus unessential work? And what is just paperwork that we have to plug in to a certain matrix to just get a score versus something that actually will have practical application for the students, the kids, and the community? And unfortunately, I think that too often we tend to go towards the route of this is something that is extra, that is superfluous, that is there to fulfill some rule rather than it being something that's practical that the students need to actually have or the, the need to have it in the school. And so I'd, I'd fundamentally boil it down to that they, they have a great working culture. Which is um, and it was a great vibe with all the educators that I, I met there. I mean, they, they felt, I felt like they had their passion still for teaching. Um, so, and, but at a conference, you usually find the most passionate yeah. educators that are showing up to the conference anyway. But, but it definitely had a different vibe. I would love to explore more about really education outside of the country mm-hmm. um, to see how it's done. So it's, I think it's kind of got this little – planted the seed in my head that this is something more that I'd like to investigate and explore. So it was definitely a great adventure to – Well, education isn't that. just an American concept. It's a no. global concept, and it needs to be explored globally. Right, and I, we, have the, we have the technology and the ability to do that now, right? Yeah. Because you think about the tools, I can pick up a, a computer or my phone even and call somebody on the other side of the planet in, yep. in a couple of seconds. I would really love to get my friend Aline, who's, in, who's doing amazing things in Lebanon right now, and she just ran a peace conference um, at her school where she talked about peace-oriented learning processes with the faculty. And it's amazing stuff, but you, we don't we, – we often leave – the idea, the question about education and what are, what's happening with the teachers and things like that, at the front door of where we live, where we're here in Utah or we're here in America, let's worry about that rather than thinking, oh, there's something really ha- cool happening in Canada or Lebanon or Japan or wherever, wherever. Well, and, and there is, and yeah. I think sometimes you get a little overwhelmed thinking about that, um, but it's definitely worth exploring, right? Yeah. I mean, we can get all of these great things that are happening all over the place almost pick and choose what's really going to work for our community, our culture, our teachers, our students, and say, let's, let's try this and see what happens. Exactly. I don't, I don't think there's really any harm in that. But, yeah. um, Which, it, speaking of trying things yes. and getting to the next level, you, uh, did you, so your day off, you went up to the Future Design School. Yes, I so did. So tell us about that. Yeah, so this, this was kind of on my list. I love how this really worked out because when I got accepted to present at this conference, it was really before I, I had um, understood what uh, really what the Future Design School is. And I was introduced to the Future Design School through um, my design coach, the Google Innovator Academy, Les Macbeth. 
And she did a phenomenal job there. And I'd, I'd already started to look into the design thinking process um, before my experience there. And when I got there, it just really cemented in just in me that that's something I need to continue to explore, continue to share, continue to apply um, in, in everything really that I do. So I kind of, I found this passion um, for the design thinking process, seeing how it could, could make a difference in a lot of uh, different areas of my life and the people that I work with. And so uh, once I found out I was going to be presenting in Niagara and I started to put uh, my plan together, I, I started to look at a, a Canadian map for probably the first time in my life <laughs> and uh, noticed that Toronto was really, you know, an hour and a half yeah. or so away, depending on traffic. Um, and that Toronto uh, also houses the headquarters for the Future Design School, where Les Macbeth is. So I thought this is a great opportunity to go connect with her again and just kind of, just kind of see what, what they do there. And I got to take it a step further because uh, when I did get back from the Google Innovator Academy and I started teaching my design thinking uh, class at the high school, I leveraged the content that the Future Design School creates, their Genius Hour content, which was perfect to be able to frame up my class. And so I'd been working with their content with my students. I had that connection with Les. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to go up there. And so I organized, before I left, um, my students in their projects would pitch via Google Hangouts to Future Design School staff, basically, that created the content. So it was a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, you want to do it justice and you have expectations and you know what the kids are capable of, but you don't know what's going to happen because there was no teacher in the room with my students uh, when they're supposed to connect with me um, on the other side of the country, in a different country even. Um, but long story short, um, we connected. The students pitched their projects. I'll tell you, I couldn't have been more proud. Um, of their projects because they were asking all kinds of questions and taking all kinds of notes on the future design schools side. And I mean, they'd really rehearsed their pitches and, and so they, they executed just, just perfectly. Um, just, just a way that you would hope. Now when they practiced a couple of weeks before or made their first attempt, wasn't quite as smooth, yeah. but, but they learned that basically pitching and pitching makes perfect. You got to refine your process before you can present your process. Right, exactly. So I think that was a great learning opportunity for them. And so I spent some time at the Future Design School. Um, I had the opportunity; they did a little interview on a, a for a video blog uh, post that they were going to do at some point. Um, so it was great to just talk and connect with them. And you know, when you get in the room with people that kind of share that same passion, and you and I do this all the time, yeah. and we just keep talking. It's like, okay, I've got ten minutes. We chat for two hours yeah, is exactly. what ends up happening, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of how it was when we got there. I could have kept going and spent a ton of time there. Um, and then I had a later opportunity to reconnect with Les a little bit later. Uh, we met up a little bit later that evening, and uh, we started talking. And so, yeah, now, now, I mean, now there's another opportunity here. I, I'm doing what I can to kind of bring this design thinking or these, these skills to teachers um, that are around our neck of the woods. And, and so typically... A teacher would have to hop on a plane, go to a major conference of some kind to really learn that design thinking process to a degree that they'd be able to come back and apply it effectively. Yeah. Um, but they, the Future Design School has their Future Skills Institute for Educators. And so I, I told Les, yes, let's sign up. I'll find a place that you can do one. Come, come out here to Utah. You can do that. I think these educators definitely want to hear this message, need to hear this message. And I think it'll be professional development they can't get anywhere else. So I'm excited to be able to do that in August. So, Which is great. It's so, so amazing. Yeah, that was my adventure in Canada. One last thing on that. <laughs> it actually reminded me that, 
you know, as, as educators, you got to take a step away sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I treated it as a little bit different conference approach um, to try and relax and refocus. And I took my wife along in this case, and she doesn't take a lot of time off or take time to herself. And she was forced to do that. And so watching her really step away from work and not think about it for a minute, she was kind of re-energized. And, and her passion for what she does was renewed. And I looked at that as going, that's what teachers need to. That's nice. And so I'm excited, you know, on the on my Google project to work to bring that um, to teachers in yeah. some way, somewhere. Now you've so. ducked the big question though about Canada. Uh oh. Did you did you eat any poutine? Uh, you know what? I went into this burger place a couple of times, and they had it there. Yeah. But I I had the burger the very first time, mm -hmm. and it was one of the best hamburgers that I ever had had. And so I went back to the burger every time. <laughs> but so I, I left the poutine out there because now I have a reason to go back. There you go. Again, yeah. right? I don't want to do it all at once. But it, the best burger I've had so far to date has been in Canada. And I eat a lot of burgers. Yeah. So um, anyway, it's called the Big Sizzle. I don't think they're <laughs> listening to this, but it's a great place for a burger. That's awesome. Yeah. If you're ever in Niagara Falls, stop at the Big Sizzle. Tell them I sent you. It's not going to mean anything. But <laughs> you'll think of me while you're there. So, but that's my adventure. Mm-hmm. You've had an adventure of your own. I did. And I'm really jealous of this adventure uh, <laughs> because I, I'm a big, big fan. I don't, I'm not a big fan. I'm a fan of NASA. Right? Yeah. So I don't own any NASA gear. I couldn't tell you a lot of launches. But I'm always intrigued by the space program and inspired by the things that they do and the innovation that they've created. A lot of the things that we have come as a result of the research that NASA's done. But... Tell us why you've spent some time with NASA and how that came to be and oh, that experience. I'm just going to yeah. turn it over to you. So, uh, so first off, I got back on Twitter about, what, two months ago, three months ago? It's beginning, yeah. Right before South by Southwest. So, yeah, that would have been Mar beginning of March. I used to be on Twitter all the time. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah it's hard to tweet when you're in prison. <laughs> no, well, I'm just kidding. I don't uh, know where yeah, you're at. Yeah, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it was because I was running a record label and all sorts of stuff, and then yeah. I was like, I am done with Twitter for a while and got back on it um, and just hit it really hard. And it's been amazing experience doing ed chats and all sorts of stuff. And so I started following all the things that I think are educational and important to me, and so one of those is NASA. And so I started following their... There's NASA Social, there's NASA, there's NASA JPL, which is the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California. Um, the launches that they have, they have a great um, Twitter feed from the ISS. Um, they actually have forced all the, uh, the NASA, NASA astronauts to have their own Twitter feeds, which is amazing. It's so great. And so I started following all those, and one day I get on Twitter, and there's a post from the NASA Social that says, um, would you like to be a social media correspondent at one of the future launches? check out this application. So I naturally, like a little kid, click the link and read the application. I take the, I think I took maybe 10 minutes to fill it out. Yeah, I, I know you and applications for anything. Basically, you can't resist. Yeah, yeah. You're I was just like, I'm going to say yes to yep. it. Uh -huh. Yes to the, so I, I fill it out. And it wasn't a hard application. But at the time, I only had, I think, 200 followers on Twitter. Like, it wasn't anything big. And so I was like, totally just like, I'm going to throw this out there. If it happens, it happens. Cool. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, about three weeks later, I get an email, you're waitlisted. And I was like, okay. And then oh, about three days later, I was, you're accepted. And it's th three weeks before the launch. So I had to like figure out my days off and everything like that. So it's, it was a launch for InSight, which InSight is a mission to Mars. It's uh, a lander that is going to take seismic or uh, to, to collect seismic data 
um, for the planet. And so basically what they're going to do is, A, drill into the crust about 16 feet deep. It's not very f- deep into it, but they're taking readings every single uh, c- uh, couple feet. Yeah, but that's still impressive because yeah. I, I have still never accomplished to dig a hole 16 feet. I know, right? I've been there, let alone dig it remotely D- dig it on remotely yeah on another planet um but they're they're checking for liquid water as they go through so they the the drill bit is heated and so they're heating up the soil to, and then collecting whether or not there's liquid water there which is really exciting um but then they're also collecting all the seismic data because this is as the lead scientist said this is the first step for us to actually colonize mars if we can understand what kind of seismic activity there is whether it's internal or external, you know, things hitting it versus um, internal uh, seismic activity, then we can understand what kind of buildings we need to make. And so that was really what the whole presentation I saw and was a part of was about, was how do we actually send a lander there that will collect enough data to send back to Earth so that we can plan to go there, which is amazing for me to, to kind of get into. The secondary mission was MARCO, which are tiny satellites about the size of a cereal box. And they're small sats that they'll be sitting in deep space and relay information from uh, the InSight mission back to Earth. And this is the first time they're going into deep space, and it's already successful. They dropped them off about um, three weeks ago, or not that, not that long ago. I'm yeah, picturing maybe. boxes of cereal in space right now. It, so. it, <laughs> it actually really does look like a box of cereal in space. Like it, It's about the size of a box of cereal, and it has a solar panel that flips up and... That's about it. It's just like, a relay, basically, is yeah. what it is, and they spread them out every so far. Is that? Yeah, no, they, yeah, they spread them out every mm-hmm. so far, and it's just to get the information back faster through the deep space network. It's hmm. it's really really cool stuff, and so uh, I read up on the mission, went to California, sat down in the room. There's about I think there was 50 of us social media nerds there, um, which were any number of like different levels. So I was pretty low level, I'll say. <laughs> Um, but there were people like uh, Chris Bosch, um, NBA Hall of, uh, future Hall of Famer, oh, wow. um, who had 2.5 million people following him on Twitter alone. Um, he was there with his wife. Um, there's a lady from Smosh Games that I got to meet, uh, Mari Takahashi, who's amazing. Um, and uh, just from there on, it was National Geographic ph- photographers, uh, people who work for TV shows. There's a lady who worked on Supernatural there. Um, just wonderful ass- assortment of people all from all backgrounds all over the world. And so we got spent two days. Um, first day was the NASA uh, pre-launch um, panel, and so we were on national television. I actually got to ask a question on NASA television. Well, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, you can watch in. it on YouTube, which I, I go back and look at. It. I'm like, hee, like oh, a little twelve yeah. year old. Um, <laughs> did podcasting little? in the room? Oh yeah, little. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, but I was like a little kid in there. We got to podcast in the room. Got to do. Um, so one of the big things I learned about that I was really excited about was. Last year, they mapped the surface of Mars, and or NASA mapped the surface of Mars, and now they're turning that into data that you can um, put into a VR experience. And so you pop on, it's the HoloLens, Microsoft's okay. HoloLens, and you're on the surface of Mars. And you can see the, the rover, and you can walk around, and it's, it's absolutely amazingly cool to, to be a part of that. Um, and they're using that so that the scientists can actually walk on Mars and kind of pick out spots that they want to land in the future and things like that, which is just amazing. Um, and then the second day, we got to go to um, the Western Command, Western Range Command for missile launches. So we got to see where they test shoot, um, like, uh, the Falcon Heavy and Falcon uh, from uh, SpaceX, but then also, like, the Missile Command Center for nuclear missiles and things like that. It was amazing to see that. Couldn't take any pictures in there obvious, for obvious reasons. 
Um, and then we got to go out to the actual launch pad and stand in front of the rocket right before it went off. Um, now, sadly, where we were at, which is Vandenberg Air Force Base um, in Lompoc, California, um, there's a bunch of marine layer stuff there. So the day of the launch at 4 a.m., which was when the launch was, so we had like 400 people in this beautiful church in Lompoc. Um, we were all waiting for the launch, and then the news came in that the fog was coming in. Oh, no. So you couldn't – we were about probably four to six miles away from the rocket. Mm-hmm. We couldn't see anything. So the, the the launch was completely, from our perspective, a loss. But you could feel it. And I, when I say feel it, it's like being in a movie theater when, you know, like an Avengers, like, giant – like battle is happening and you feel the the speakers, it was like that six miles away. And it was so cool to just feel that and have everyone in the room go completely, or everyone outside just go completely quiet. And then there was one kid that just kind of sh- stood up and shouted. He's like, where is it? Where's the rocket? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, it, it, you can't see it. And he's like, oh, but did you feel it? And he's like, yeah, that was cool. And it was so cool to, for all of us to see that. Um, there's some great photography. Um, out there i'll post a couple links to it in the show notes and things like that but it's it was a really great experience that i never thought i'd have because it was like i was just like i'm gonna throw this out there and see if the universe says yes and they said yes to me and it was just absolutely amazing not only to meet the people i did and and see the background of everything that's going on in nasa but then also to be able to take that home and realize that if i wanted to that door is open in the future for me to do this again um, and for anyone to do it. Um, so we have a couple episodes. We got Mari Takahashi. We got a guy from the Griffith Observatory that we're going to be uh, putting out as an episode here in the f- near future. Um, but it's just super exciting to to know that those kind of opportunities are out there for a, a teacher from Utah that I well, would normally think that I didn't have that kind of opportunity. And that's what I, I really appreciate the way you did there is, you know what, it's not something you'd normally do, but you did it. And think about the learning experience that you have. Yeah. And I was I was actually having a conversation with my one of my students the other day. And he's very routine, you know, yeah. he's a little introverted, but he's very routine and kind of takes the same path, does the same things all of the time. And so somehow we got talking about, well, sometimes you make that leap forward if you change up your path, right? So you go cross paths with somebody completely different that you normally wouldn't cross paths with because you walked a different way to a different building to, to, your, to work or something. And you, you make that connection. And so I think that's, that's what it reminds me of in your experience here. You're, you're really good at kind of like, oh, what's over here? What's over there? Yeah. With, with the intent of I might pick up something. I might have a new experience. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind for everybody. Yeah. Right? I, I, I fall into a rut sometimes going through the kind of the same routine every day. Um, and I do that. And I, I keep thinking, I got to break up that routine to have a different experience. Maybe I'm not going to NASA, but you know, maybe I make a connection with somebody that leads to something else. Yeah. Um, well, the best part for me too was coming home and seeing, talking to my students. I, I had recorded videos while I was there and I was, I was talking to them and things like that. And I came back and I was like, do you guys want to hear about NASA or do you guys want to get right to work? And they're like, we want to hear about NASA. Let's talk about that for 20 minutes. And I was like, okay. And a bunch of my students came up to me afterwards and were like, why did you get to go do that? Like the, you know, the, the snarky 14, 15 year old right. thing. Like, why would you get to pick to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I applied and they let me in. Guess what? You can do this when you're 18. Mm-hmm. Do the same thing. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah, the door's there. You just have to be willing to find it, open it and do it. Right. Exactly. There's so many opportunities out yep. there. And that, that they get overlooked all the time. And you stumble across it really by chance yeah. um, more than anything. And then you took the chance. Yeah. And that seems like that, that's what made all of the difference. Yeah. 
Well, and that's a great place to leave it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to share more with that. If anybody, you know, shoot me up or hit me up on my Twitter handle at Teacher Winners. Well, I didn't think I would end up presenting in Canada at any point, but yeah. I did, and it was worth it, and I'm glad I did. It was a great experience, and you didn't think you'd be on the launch pad at NASA yeah. at any point, and it definitely paid off for you as well. So I can't wait to see what adventures lie in store for us next. we got a long three months of adventures. Yes, and we'll highlight some of those in an upcoming uh, podcast Absolutely. as well. So stay tuned for that, and thanks for listening. Thanks so much, guys.